Chelsea. And this is Andy. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we watch whatever we feel like watching because the whole world's on fire. Yup. And uh, then we talk about it afterwards. Marginally, Today. we try to see what it has to do, just if nah. anything. <laughs> Sorry, that doesn't apply for this episode, and I don't want to. No, you're right. Folks, I'm sorry that I tried to destroy us. (laughs) Chelsea, what are we watching today? Well, we are going to do, I think, only our second ever reality show episode. Mm. We are going to talk about the show Who Done It. The episode title is High Voltage. It's season one, episode one. You can watch this on ABC.com. It was an ABC show. Um, And uh, yeah, it ran for nine episodes in 2013 on ABC. Still waiting for that sequel. Uh, the credited writer on IMDb is Trey Calloway, which brings us into our first of two mm-hmm. Euro what? Okay. <laughs> which is a special edition. YWW stands for You Wrote Who Done It? <laughs> Trey Calloway wrote an upcoming, but probably actually not upcoming show called Sick, hmm. the description of which is thus In the wake of a mysterious global pandemic, The world's adult population has become fatally allergic to most young people between the ages of 13 and 19. But when a teenage girl and four of her friends escape from a government-controlled adolescent safety center, in an attempt to join a growing teenage resistance movement, her pediatrician father must try to find and keep her safe, even while knowing that a simple hug from his daughter is what tragically killed his wife. I was, what is this premise? I was on the I was on the verge of completely giving up on trying to find anything Trey Calloway. It said pandemic. I'm like, oh, why am I going to bring that up? But it is knowing that a simple hug from his daughter is what tragically killed his wife. Mwah. This is also, I feel like most of the adult population is allergic to teenagers yeah. anyway already. So we've, we've done this. I get it. You're unhappy with your kids. Please stop writing stuff about it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. As I said up top, uh, Chelsea, I'm sorry that I seem to be trying to destroy us uh, between this and Gospel Bill. Uh, my choices could be better. Um, but I watched Who Done It. When it originally aired back in oh. 2013, I was I had just moved to LA, had stars in my eyes, and I was like, I bet I could waste some quality time watching the shittiest reality show on yes. TV. Uh, just to answer your question in advance, Chelsea, still no word on Who Done It season two, but no, you know, no, it's a- all our all of our Dunites, uh, Who Dunites. <laughs> I just made that up, and it's working. Are still keeping our fingers crossed. Yeah, it's a very active uh, subreddit. So, do you have sure a created is. by for for this show? Cause oh, that... it was it was created by Anthony E. Zwicker. Yes, who's the guy that created CSI? Yes. So part of this was that he brought a bunch of CSI um, people, crew, set pieces, makeup artists to oh, assist in the production of this series. So. Um, do you have a snack before we get too deep into talking about it? I do have a snack. Uh, if you'll remember maybe a month or two ago, our good friend Josh Miller uh, sent us a bunch of snacks from New Zealand, all of which I was going to give to Chelsea because at that time, if you remember, uh, you could move freely in the world and talk to people. And also, I was uh, not eating sugar. But all bets are off now. Um, about all of that. About all of that. So I am going to enjoy one of Josh's New Zealand snacks today. It is Whitaker's Hokey Pokey. Oh, a Hokey Pokey. Maybe that's what it's all about. Go for it. (sighs) 
This was amazing. What's it? What's it like? What's the composition of the candy bar? Okay, so what it is is it's thirty-three uh, percent cocoa, mm-hmm. chocolate, and then it's got little pieces of uh, toffee and peanuts oh, in it. Toffee. I think. I think I, most of me is just toffee. Yeah. Here's the thing about New Zealand: they don't have to talk about everything that's in their goddamn stuff. Oh, so it's a mystery. Like a whodunit. It's a whodunit it, snack. God. And if I'm allergic to it, it'll be a murder mystery. But it's a chocolate and toffee. It's actually really, really good. Oh, that's um, awesome. It's it's like a Heath bar if mm-hmm. everybody cared about what was going on. <laughs> if Heath had been running on empty for so long. Um, yeah, it's just a good chocolate bar. Thank you, Josh Miller. For, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, this Thanks, Josh. Very brief uh, Josh Miller Memorial Snack Time Hour, except he's still alive. From New Zealand. Woohoo! Awesome. Now let's talk about Who Done It, because this is a thing that I missed when it was on the air in 2013. Wow, you and everybody else. <laughs> so the premise is it's like a murder mystery uh, dinner party slash uh, game of live clue, where 13 <laughs> people must solve each other's murders under the threat of becoming the next victim. Yep. Um, and the, the prize is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It's a it's a murder mystery reality competition series. So in each episode, the competitors witness a murder staged by the production, obviously not a real murder, committed mm. secretly by one of their number. So one of the contestants is the murderer. That's right. And they are instructed to find clues on how the murder was done and the identity of the murderer. Then they are privately quizzed on, and they they give their theory. And the player with the lowest score on an actual test, which they don't show because they thought that would not be boring. That would be boring. That would be bad TV. They had to take an actual written test. Mm-hmm. And the person with the lowest score became the next victim of the murderer and eliminated from the game. However, in the next episode, they would have to solve that person's murder and so on and so forth. Right. It's basically a murder mystery party without the fun parts of dressing up and drinking. Sure. So, and it goes on a little too long. And also like... There's no reward for guessing the murderer in the first episode. You could figure no. out who the murderer was immediately, and the show would just... continue. It is not set up to be solved before it has run the course of killing off all but three no. people, or however many people are left in the finale. And yeah, and then the last episode uh, there, after all of the murder victims come back as shambling zombies, there are... Two, uh, there are two contestants, and one of them just reveals themselves to be the murderer, and it's like, he won. They, they do a little poem, yeah, and then that's it. Also, the, the murderer knows that they're the murderer, but they don't know any of the details of the crime, so they play the game every week, too. They, they have to be evaluated. But the, the show, people were asked at the time, the creators were asked, like, so could this person ostensibly get the lowest score on the test and have to be killed off the show, even though they're the murderer. And (laughs) the production very clearly had not considered this possibility because they did not have an answer for that question. Oh, are you trying to say that whodunit, the show that nobody (laughs) saw, is a bit slapdash? Here's why 
I, I, I'm going to interrupt you now and tell you why we're doing this episode. And okay. then all bets are off and we can talk about this however you want to. The reason I love this show is not because it's good, because it's not. Um, Apparently, at some point, they told everybody that they would need to respond to these crimes and murders and the loss of life uh, of the contestants that they're getting to know as though it were really happening. At one moment uh, in this, uh, a one of my favorite people, Melinda, mm-hmm. one of the contestants, says, quote, In my heart, I know it's not a dead body, but it feels too real. That is a theme that Melinda herself will push until the final episode, her final episode, where she literally cries over somebody's fake murder. Her name is Melina. Let me correct you. I thought it's it was Melinda. Melinda, too, but it's Melina. Ooh. All right, um, well, get ready for me to fuck that up a couple times. Yeah, so I, I also wrote it incorrectly all the way to the end until someone said her name out loud, and then I realized it had been Melina the entire time, and I had Yikes. just inserted that D in there in my mind. Um, yes, okay. This is great. I'm so excited to talk about reality show contestants behaving like actors. Um, yeah. So we open on a huge mansion. Creepy music is playing. Inexplicable suit of armor. It sure. definitely feels like a place that was built in the 90s, but is supposed to feel grand and ancient. Which brings me to my new segment. Oh. YSW, you shot where? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I couldn't be, couldn't be happier right now. That's so, fantastic. Wikipedia tells us that this house is in Beverly Hills, Beverly Crest to be specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reddit tells us that it's called Rue Manor. Um, the show also tells us that it's called Rue Manor. Construction started in 2000, I was right, and was still unfinished when sold at auction in 2017 for $17 million, which means... Oops. This, construct, this house was still under construction while they shot and lived there in 2013. <laughs> they were just, they were just, somebody was living in a room where all the walls were plastic sheeting. <laughs> so it's fantastic. The reason this show, the, the, it was sold at auction, the reason this house was sold in 2017 is that the previous owner, Curtis Somoza, was indicted in 2016 and later convicted for running a massive Ponzi scheme that built investors out of tens of millions of dollars. So this is a How mansion. ironic. This is a mansion built on a Ponzi scheme that there is now the site of a murder crime. mystery. <laughs> exactly. No one solved that Ponzi scheme. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Curbed tells us, Curbed is a great LA uh, real estate site, Mm-hmm. That this place sits on 5.2 acres and comes with seven bedrooms, 15 bathrooms, a dining room, a library, a gym, a sauna, and a wine cellar. Mm-hmm. It's been on and off the market for a while. Right now it's asking, uh, it's on the market and they're asking $37.5 million, which even for Oof. even for Beverly Hills is an insane asking price. You know what? I'll wait. <laughs> it's approximately 33,000 square feet. Um, and it has a promontory setting with panoramic views. And if you can't buy it, you can rent it for $149,000 a month. Um, <sighs> this, I can only assume, will soon be a TikTok mansion, provided TikTok is still around <laughs> in a month. Um, we'll but, see. Hey, fingers crossed for everything, really. But you may notice I said that there are seven bedrooms, um, mm-hmm. and there are more than seven contestants, and they all You're live right. here. Yeah. They divided the room. The bedrooms were so massive that they divided them in half with like temporary walls for the length of the show. Mm-hmm. So this is a thing that I noticed, and then I didn't realize. I it stuck out in my head because I'm such a real estate nerd. Like I 
Surfzillow for fun. Sure. That the bedrooms are half the size of the bathrooms. The bathrooms are oh, massive. Right. And I was <laughs> like, why are these bathrooms so fucking huge? And then uh, I read this and I was like, oh, because the bedrooms are actually double the size that they appear gotcha. on the show. Eh, okay. That makes sense. So that's it. That's my sure. segment, uh, YSW, You Shot Where. Please make this a regular thing. <laughs> so at the center of this, the person who's sort of running the game, the host, is uh, a character named Giles the Butler, who's not funny. Or <laughs> Period. S- hold on. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm not insulting him yet. Hold on. I got a better. Uh, the whole thing is an insult. He's not funny. Uh, he's not quite spooky. He's a bit off-putting. I, I just, he's not anything. He's uh, the only character on this show, and they yeah. haven't bothered to develop him. I mean, to be fair, there are a couple of maids and butlers here But they're there. they're clearly, like, they don't have any lines. Like, he's the only person that has a line. Fair. And he says in the voiceover at the top of the show, I have been the butler for this cursed estate for only a few weeks now. And I was like, it's a cursed Ponzi mansion. Like, now we know. How do you know it's cursed, dummy? He'll be in there for a few weeks. Right. And he says, I've never met my current employer, but I have to follow murderous orders on pain of death. Which, now this is this is muddy, because he's acting like the person who owns this house is hosting a game and is going to start right. killing people. But we almost immediately are told that the murderer is one of the contestants. Right. But this is setting up so the owner of the house is the killer. But... The contestants are meant to look at each other with suspicion. It's just like a strange... It's like you have to pick a lane here. Either the house is cursed or one of the contestants is the killer. And that master... It also would be very helpful if the mastermind... Like, the the guy who's who's playing this, by the way, is named Gildart Jackson. Yep. Giles the butler. Um... He's, but he's playing it like, I'm spooky British guy. It's like you're subbing in for the mastermind. You should be constantly like, here are his orders or their orders or whatever. Right. Which brings us quickly to, uh, you wrote what? Uh, Gildart Jackson edition. Uh, Gildart Jackson wrote an episode of Street Sharks called First Shark. First oh, I Shark. I why I did this. Oh, the synopsis of the episode is the street sharks go to Washington, D.C. To, pre- to save President David Horn from being gene-washed by Dr. Paranoid as part of his plot to control prof- President Horn after he successfully gene-washed Vice President Russell. None of that makes any sense. Gene-washed? I don't know. It's, it's in quotes here, so I'm assuming it's an official scientific term. Are you not going to... Or do you not know that Gildart Jackson... Is huh? married to Melora Harden. Shut the fuck up. Yes, yes, he is. They have been married since oh. like tw- nine, the nineties. Like it always comes back to Melora Harden on this podcast. That is bonkers. Yes. I looked up this dude. I watched, I looked at his whole IMDb page and missed that completely. They were oh. married then at the, when they filmed this, and they are married now. They yep. were married when he wrote the episode of Street Sharks. Called they were not First married Shark. when she was on Quincy and Me. But no, well, she was only like 12, but they were married when she was on the office. Wow. Weird, yeah. man. Weird. Always comes all right, back. Well, I take it all back. Gildart Jackson. You're, you know, you're great. You're doing great. Although yeah. when he comes down the stairs, Melina says, dude, dude, creepy man coming down the stairs. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Full voice so that Gildart Jackson can totally hear her. So he says, 
13 strangers will be arriving here to play a game. What they don't know is the game is murder, which reminded me of Tool Academy that we used to watch and, <laughs> yes. and other shows where people think they've signed up for a certain reality show and then they arrive and they're told they're not on that reality show, that the premise is something different. Does anyone ever actually know the title of any reality show they're being cast on if it's not The Bachelor? It was. There's it a was lot of a, baiting and switching going on. There was a lot of baiting and switching. I mean, that started in the '90s when they did the Joe Millionaire uh, reality mm-hmm, show, mm-hmm. which was a schlubby construction worker, but they're pretending he's a millionaire, and uh, everybody falls for it. It's the worst. Uh, yeah. So, in addition to the random suit of armor, there's a random Iron Maiden in this place. Sure. Um, all the contestants have arrived. The thirteen they've been driven up the drive in Rolls Royces. They're all mingling and drinking champagne and. Um, first we meet Cam, who is a confident, we are told, homeland security attorney who thinks his background in criminology will help him win the prize money. He says he is positive he will win. We also meet Ariana. Well, it does, it does turn out in the end that the killer is a uh, peaceful protester. So Cam does in fact <laughs> right. disappear them have to immediately. sue that person. They, so, they throw them in a Rolls Royce with tinted windows and then you just don't see them again. You never see them again. So we also meet Ariana, a TV crime reporter, a man who sells frozen food, a high school football coach, alleged uh-huh. high school football coach who is yep. actually a retired LAPD detective. That The guy who sells frozen food doesn't sell frozen food either. No, no. He's a bounty hunter, right? Yep. Um, everyone's <laughs> he's lying. Got a, he's got a goatee that he <laughs> says, that says you're either a bounty hunter or a magician. Or being like, bounty hunted. So... <laughs> Goatee, man. <laughs> you got to be on one side of bounty hunting or another if you're going to have a goatee. So we're one minute and 50 seconds in and everyone is already lying to each other about yep. everything, which is awesome. Everyone also instantly knows that Detective Don is lying about being a cop. He's like, I'm a he's, high school football coach. And everybody's like, you're a cop. These people can smell a narc. They know immediately. 100%. I was the only surprised. I was only surprised that he was an LAPD cop and not a Chicago cop. This mustache <laughs> on this dude. <laughs> Might as well be dripping with deep dish pepperoni. <laughs> yes. Shit like um, that. There's also a bar trivia host and engineer. Uh, mm-hmm. There is Chris, who is referred to as an ex-beauty queen, which is not an occupation. Uh, nope. Journalist, flight attendant. Yep, Melina's a flight attendant. And then there's, uh, yeah, and Adriana, who's a... TV crime reporter. She's the TV crime reporter, yeah. the journalist. There's an insurance investigator named Dante who's trying to pass himself off as a writer. Oh, Dante. And um, I really had high hopes for Dante because insurance investigators have to like look at shit like this all the time really? and see if it's been faked. The first thing that he does is say, I'm a writer. And he says, well, I write a Twitter post. I write on this thing. I'm a writer. And I'm like, I met so many Dantes in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. had enough of you Dantes. He doesn't um, want people to know he's an insurance investigator. All of these people that have jobs that would naturally, it seems, predispose them to being good at this game don't want people to know. It's a weird move. That they would be good at this game. Maybe they don't realize that, like... Maybe they think they could be killed off in some way if people were threatened by them. What sure. it really is is that people are going to want to team up with you if yeah. you're good at your job. So It's going to be like an embarrassing, speaking of magicians, it's going to be an embarrassing trick when you're trying to pretend not to be a cop and saying a bunch of cop shit. <laughs> right. Dumb. So no one has greeted these people with rules or instructions, just champagne. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's get everybody drunk right away. We and meet then and- Sherry... Well, the we meet un- an ex-NFL cheerleader, which is, again, not an occupation, but no, that's how not. she referred to her. 
named Sherry. She drops her champagne glass yeah. and it shatters. Yeah, Sherry drops a, a glass, which is a pivotal plot point. Yeah. Uh, she's laughing and, and pretending to be drunk. It's great. Um, yeah, so Giles <laughs> yeah, comes sorry. down the stairs. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Do you have something? No, no, no. I, I just skipped forward to my notes. I just saw Giles. It has begun. <laughs> That's coming up. It's coming up. This is well, cool he quote. comes down the stairs. And he says, I'm Giles. I will be your butler. At half past the hour, you will hear the estate bell chime, which is totally a thing that all estates have. 100%. Especially ones built in the year 2000 and not finished when they were sold in 2017. <laughs> Why the fuck not? <laughs> connect that bell to your nest system. Right. Um, they'll reconvene and then they'll find out why they're all there. Butlers yep. don't usually give orders, but whatever. No, uh, they usually buttle and take orders and, and things like that. Oh, my. <laughs> Only if they're very good at it. So everybody goes upstairs uh, for a second, and then there's a crash. Yeah, they go. Uh-oh. Some of them like go out to explore the mansion. Some of them go upstairs to unpack. It's unclear because he's like, this will chime at half past the hour. And I'm like, so it can't be more than half an hour away. But people yeah. spread out like they've got all the time in the world. Sherry takes a fucking shower in this time period. Sure does. Um, yeah. Uh, it's people going get well. get things done in however much time has passed. <laughs> right. People are kind of snooping. And then we have the call to adventure, which is the sound of glass smashing downstairs. Uh, people are gasping. People come running. There's a sound of cascading water. All the contestants stop what they're doing and start running toward the sound of the crash. And they happen upon a crime scene that is very impressive for a home murder mystery game and very unimpressive for TV. (laughs) I saw this and flashed back to when my church would set up like a murder house or a hell house. Hell house. And it was like, Every scene was just somebody who had died and was going to hell. But this is about the level that we're yeah. talking about. This is like the best haunted house in your small town. Instead of having the like typical CSI lighting and camera tricks, this oh, is yeah. happening in the broad light of day. Wide and it shots, looks baby. Real chintzy. So the fish tank is broken. There's a huge fish tank in the foyer. It's now broken. There are fake fish. I'm doing air quotes. Um flopping around which is they're like obviously plastic fish that are kind of flopping every once in a while a live wire is shooting off sparks and a bloody body in a bathrobe lies in the wreckage also flopping around but who is it chelsea who's that who's that dead body who who did we lose it is sherry the ex-cheerleader which is not a job um the contestants Giles, giles tells us it has begun. It has begun. The contestants actually seem genuinely shook. They're like afraid to approach. They're cautioning each other not to look. Even Detective Don seems taken in. He's like, that's a live wire. Nobody touch it. Um, uh, Lindsay, who's an engineer and my maybe least favorite person in the show, goes, there's a body on the ground. It is the scariest, grossest, most horrible thing I have ever seen. Um, and then that's when Melina says, in my heart, I know it's not a dead body, but it feels too real. They're going to be crying over these <laughs> fake dead bodies. And this is the most normal murder that happens all season. Yes. I know it's all complicated and nonsensy, but it just, like, they get wild, including the one that happens at the end of this episode. Yes. Um, so yeah. Giles so, clears them all into another room, and he's like, I'll explain everything. And I'm like, what? Either this is an accidental murder, or you can explain everything. Both of these things can be... <laughs> I'll explain everything except all the things you need to figure out. Right. 
So uh, Giles announces that they're all uh, trapped there, question mm-hmm. mark. Uh, and he reads a note from the killer, which is one of them, mm-hmm. in which the killer is like, ha, I'm the killer. And uh, the cheerleader was clumsy, and that's why I killed her. Also, she's a cheerleader, so she's probably stupid. And I'm like, oh, killer. Yeah, they're like, the killer He's is up. Like- Hello, mortals. And it's like, unless you are a ghost or some sort of supernatural being, you are also a mortal. So here's clue one about the killer. They don't know what mortal means. Right, exactly. And then they're like, "Uh, I brought you all here. So I'm looking for a worthy adversary. And she, Sherry was a cheerleader as though she could ever be an adversary. And like it's meant to set up the murderer. Thinks there's some sort of like highfalutin sociopathic. It's like a Moriarty, I'm fucking cat and mouse thing. But it's mostly just kind of like, hey, dude, cheerleaders can be whatever they want. It is more like, hey, dude, than Moriarty. (laughs) (laughs) If hey, dude put on a murder mystery, it would look a lot like this. Also, she's an ex-cheerleader, so who knows how good of an adversary she would have been. Right. By your logic, you immortal Pizza, <laughs> According to Wikipedia, Sherry, the first victim, yep. uh-huh. uh, obviously was not an actual contestant. She was planted in the cast with the knowledge that she would be the first one killed in order to set up the murder for the first episode. Um, each of the contestants was asked prior to the taping if he or she would like to play the killer, and the guest ultimately chosen received a guaranteed stipend. That's so, nice. yeah, so it's like you might not win. You definitely can't win the $250,000, but you you absolutely are guaranteed something. Whereas right. if you just play the game, you're not guaranteed to walk away with anything. Um, so was Sherry an actual cheerleader? Yeah. Oh, whoops. Uh, um, it's a I shitty cheer that she did. It doesn't say that she wasn't. Cheer. Right. Um, the killer's identity was a well-kept secret during taping to the extent that even executive producer CSI guy Zoiker didn't know who the killer was for the first eight episodes. Oh, wow. And now, here is the most shocking, horrifying bit of intel that I have on this entire show. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Is somebody else married to Malora Harden? <laughs> no. Okay, Each ahead. episode took three days to film. What? Employ- employed about 250 people. Are you kidding? At a cost of $750,000 a day. Not an episode. A day. That's, that's the real crime. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's... Bonkers. That is insanity. What hubris. <laughs> what a fucking hubris. You want to know why the show didn't get a second season? You can't justify that price tag no. for a show that no one cares about. Like, oh my fucking God, $750,000 a day. Okay. So, okay. So the way that this game is, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get past mm-hmm. the 750000 mm-hmm. That's enough money <laughs> To stay in that house for several months. Right? <laughs> you could rent that place and then just live there. So, so much money. Okay, okay. So Giles tells them that they're all going to solve the murder. The way that this game is going to work is everybody must choose one of three locations to investigate. Right. The murder scene, the last known location of the victim, or the downstairs morgue. Right, which is actually the house's Turkish spa. They've converted sure. into I mean, a you know. morgue. Uh, it, it works. It's yeah. fine. I don't think about it until somebody points it out that there's a morgue in the basement. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not normal. I just assume that rich people have morgues in their basement. They just take care of <laughs> I stuff. I don't know how the other have limbs. Let's so, take, it in, take care of this in-house. Right. So 
this is sort of like the clue set up, right? Yeah. You, it, it works on the rule of threes. You can pick one of these places and probably you'll pick up a clue um, that will help you to sort of winnow down the list of uh, possibilities. Sure. So, but it really, the way that it ends up being is, so at the end, you need to present a bunch of facts about what happened. You need to be able to talk about the murder from point A to point Z. Right. Um, but there is no way to get all of the information you need just from one of these locations. So yes. It's, so you either have to cooperate or you have to eavesdrop yeah. on other people. You have to, you have to, you have to cam or you need to Adriana. Yep. Yep. The contestants sort of immediately start looking at each other uh, with suspicion now that they know one of them is the murderer. Mm-hmm. And they all wisely surmise that each location probably contains a clue. Right. And uh, they need to figure out who's going to go where. And a couple of them sort of are like, oh, okay, well, it makes the most sense that we would divide into teams of three and send one person to each location and then meet back up and compare notes. The crime reporter, Adriana, tries to take charge and the others immediately shut her down for being bossy. Oof. They're like, your take charge attitude is suspicious. This is the beginning of Adriana's rocky road <laughs> right. this episode. <laughs> um, so squads of three start to form. Melina goes with the group uh, to the scene of the crime because Don, the ex-cop, is going there. She's like, mm. wherever he's going, I'm going, which is a pretty safe strategy it's to begin bad. with. Yeah. And then uh, Dana, who's a cardiac nurse with a severe updo, chooses the <laughs> morgue. <laughs> the funny thing is later they interview her in like a confessional, like a talking head thing, and she has their hair down and she looks like a different person. Like a completely oh, different you're person. You're right. In fact, that's why I had I had some confusion over, I like lost Adriana and her, I can't, still can't remember her name. What's Dana. Her name? Dana. Dana. Both get confused in my mind. Uh, that's why. Because yeah. she, she adjusts later on. Uh, it's not great. It is some 80s hair and it needs to not be Yeah, in 2013. That's crime. <laughs> Dana is a cardiac nurse. And so she's like, I'm going to go to the morgue because I have a healthcare background. That also seems sure. pretty solid. Right. Um, and then everyone else goes to the last known, according to Giles, whereabouts. Whereabouts? He can't say whereabouts. Whereabouts? Whereabouts. I get it. She's an ex cheerleader. <laughs> Let it go. Um, including Ronnie, who's a PI and a bounty hunter. So yeah. Ronnie goes to the less known whereabouts, uh, and they all sort of evenly split up. So now we are definitely in the special world where you are oh, a person good who. Good job. Chelsea, I'm sorry. I just want to give you as much encouragement as possible <laughs> for trying to do what you're doing right I'm now. I'm trying hard. I mean, actually, this show is so formulaic that it wasn't, this is not that hard. The call to adventure is the glass breaking and everybody running and Giles laying out, Giles the Herald laying out the rules of engagement. And now we are yeah. in the crime solving part. So Chris, who right. inexplicably spells her name without an H, it's C-R-I-S, sure. the ex-pageant queen says uh, she's at the scene of the crime, and she's like, okay, what's obvious here? We got broken glass, we got dead fake fish, and a big old <laughs> spot of blood on the carpet. Um, and the, the scenario begins because there's a sort of a balcony and a staircase that goes above the fish tank. The possibility is floated that Sherry might have fallen from the second story into the fish tank. Sure. But they immediately discard that because it looks like the fish tank tipped forward, not like yeah. someone landed on it from above. 
Um, also worth noting is when the group is brought to this crime scene, the maid presents it elegantly. Yes. She like brings them and goes like to, like, like presenting. Tea a, served here. Here is a dead body. <laughs> um, yes, uh, they they immediately they they dismiss the electricity. Because they don't see any specific burn marks on yes. the body. Don, the ex-cop who's still trying to pretend he's not, is like, oh, people who are electrocuted have burn marks on their bodies, and she doesn't have any. So this can't be, it can't be that she was electrocuted. It Don might as well be saying things like, I'd bet my policeman's badge on it. Right. My partner and I used to look at things like this all the time. <laughs> Adam 10-4. Um, what? I mean, <laughs> right. football. Uh, the, the blood on the rug is smeared. But Don says that could have been done by the convulsions. And he also points out that it seems like Sherry has glass in her forehead, but bled out through the back of her head. She was probably hit from behind and fell into the fish tank face first and then fell backwards, which is turns out to be exactly what happened. It is. Everyone knows he's a cop. Chris even says, my dad was a cop. You can't you can't cover up. And even Don is like, I keep using cop terms like a dummy. <laughs> and then and then everybody keeps like He's truly the Hagrid him. of this show. He keeps being like, shouldn't have told you that. Shouldn't have told you that. Shouldn't that cop term. Should not have used that cop term. Um, it, it's also every time. <laughs> every time somebody, because they figured it out. Everybody's figured out you're an ex-cop. And he keeps going, no, no, no. Not me. But. Every time somebody makes that joke, he jumps a little <laughs> before he refuses it. They're like, all right, ex-cop. And he goes, oh, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not an ex-cop. Football coach. I'm a football coach. He's the worst at this. Yeah, he's a terrible actor. Yeah. But uh, seemingly an okay detective. So the morgue is downstairs. Um, and what the internet tells me again is that this is actually the Turkish spa. So there's yeah. a lawyer god. named Ulysses. Oh and- my god. Who I'm assuming is the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> right. He's down there with Dana the nurse and Dante the insurance uh, investigator. And someone, I think maybe Ulysses, notes that Sherry's hands are pristine. No signs of struggle or defensive wounds meaning she probably didn't even realize she was, like, she didn't fight. Someone came up mm-hmm. behind her, probably. Sure. Um, there are also it, no signs of burns or electrocution. They point that out, or yeah. Dana points that out as well. I, it, we really need to stop for a moment and just cheers to Sherry. I, these people are flipping and flopping this body all over yep. the place and, and twisting and turning. I would have, even as a dead body, I would be like, guys, come on. I haven't watched the other eight episodes of this show, but they all have to do that, right? They all have to be dead bodies and have be manhandled by their castmates who are f- flipping them around and looking at shit like they're like they're actually mannequins when they're live people that were, <laughs> were also on this show just a few moments ago. Yet. Haven't watched the other nine episodes yet. Yeah, yet. They're all on ABC.com. Dante says, we see glass in her head, but did that kill her? It seems like she was caught off guard. And then they notice something sticking out of the back of her neck. And Dana, very, like, nonchalantly is like, oh, that's probably part of her cervical spine. (laughs) (laughs) It's no big deal. Probably just some jutting flesh and gristle. They pull it out like they're playing human operation. They go in there. No, you use an ounce of care in human (laughs) operation. And it, they say, oh, it's an old school musket round. It's like a metal BB about the size of a small grape that was lodged in the base of her neck. 
Right, like right where your neck meets your shoulders. Um, also, and Dana helpfully points out, if a bullet hits that point of the spinal cord, it could be instant death. Here's the fun thing about whodunit is that there are a lot of cutaway shots where people tell us what they are not experts in. Uh, for example, here we get, I think it's Ulysses going, I am not a ballistics expert, but it's a lot of people saying, I don't know anything about this, but here's my thoughts. Right. Which is just another fun uh, uh, thing about it. So the next part is the last known whereabouts. Oh no, is... you've missed something, which was the part of this that made me go, what? Oh, of course. Which is that the killer is tweeting during the airing of oh, this episode. Oh my god, yes, so, you're right. So it's... now a tweet pops up from the killer on the screen asking the Twitterverse if they think this is a musket round or who thinks it's something else. And hashtag, hashtag who done it? <laughs> and I was just like, of course this is it's 2013. Of course this 2013. is 2013. Oh, you're right. I didn't realize until like later on when like an actual taunt happens. I think Dante's going to make a wild presumption <laughs> somewhere in here, and we'll get to it, folks. We really need to save that uh, to really round out the second part of right. this episode but i think it's it's about dante the killer's like dante thinks this are you all as stupid as dante (laughs) right well there is a moment here where dante ulysses and dana who are the smallest group of people that have gone to any location they're just three decide not to tell anyone else about the bullet that they found they're like we just keep this between us which is terrible strategy for this game because you're going to need info from other people but anyway that's what they decide to do this is a frustrating reality show because you could be the worst possible player. And as long as you're kind of a shithead, you can win it. Right. You know, reality shows. Exactly. So we go to Sherry's room, which is the last known whereabouts. Uh, Sherry's half room, excuse me. <laughs> yes. And Adriana, I was rooting to try to like you. I was Adriana, too. She finds a corner, like a, a, a corner of a steamer trunk, basically. It's mm-hmm. just this little... Fits in the palm of your hand, fits in the palm of your hand, but you couldn't possibly wield it in any kind of way. And she's like, this is the murder weapon. There's also no blood or anything on it. Yeah, it looks it's, like it's And there's just... no blood on the floor in that room. No. She just picks up this thing and is like hell bent that this must be the murder weapon. And I was like, oh, this is why you're a crime reporter and not a detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always get there after the fact. (laughs) You tell what other people have figured out. Right. Uh, So they figure out, uh, they go into the the bathroom adjoining uh, Sherry's room and figure out that there is a message written on the fogged up uh, glass of the mirror. So they have to turn on the shower, fog it up. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not true. They think to turn on the shower, but then somebody's left like a steamer right next like to the mirror. Like a clothes steamer. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they don't have time for this shit. They only have five days and an unlimited budget to get this thing shot. They really need to move things along. I can't believe it's $750,000. <laughs> <laughs> it bums me out. So the fogged up mirror says, um, I have vital information for you. Meet me at the fish tank. Yes, they also realize that um, someone has broken into her room because there are wood shavings on the floor by the door and evidence of forced entry near the knob. Um, But immediately people are like, this might just be to throw us off. Um, Which is weird because it's sort of like, someone said that too about the live wire downstairs. Someone's like, maybe this was just to throw us off. And you don't know, there's a weird layer of like, 
did the killer leave this to lead us astray? Or do you think the producers are trying to throw us off because this is not part of the mystery? Well, here's, here's the central problem for whodunit. And I know we've listed so many problems, but the central problem for whodunit, the reality show murder mystery, is you're not solving anything. You're doing right. the work of basically a coroner who's going to be like, here's how she died. Right. You're not figuring out who did it. You're not figuring out like a time frame. You You're not incentivized to, to no. figure out who did it. You're someone does. Someone does in this episode say X is the murderer, which is the truth. Yeah. In real life, that should stop the game. You know, like yes. you've, you've, you've won. Yeah. Yes. But there's no there's no end to it. There's no you don't solve a murder. You solve a crime scene. Which is yeah. it's unsatisfying, and it makes it a clunky kind of competition where it's, it's like... It's Clue. It's the game of Clue. Like, the murder has happened. Mr. Body sure. is dead before it starts. Like, you right. can't stop anybody. You can't stop the next murder, even if you figure out who the murderer is. Sure. But if it's Clue, except instead of trying to figure out who did it, you need to figure out what mood they were in. Right. Or <laughs> right. what song was playing at the time. Just things like that. So, yes. So now... We we've all everybody's gone to every scene. Giles announces that there are finger sandwiches in a delightful turn. I don't remember exactly how he does it, but he just goes and we have finger sandwiches. Yes, it made me laugh. And so there's like a backyard get together with finger sandwiches where everybody's meant to discuss. I think. And right. So Cam, the Homeland Security lawyer, Ulysses, the also lawyer, and Gino, the bar trivia host each went to a different location and they sidebar to share information. They had planned ahead of time. Right. And Cam is like, this is my bro team. We're the smartest, strongest guys here. Sure. Um, but Gino's like, I'm going to leave my options open. He sort of tells us that. Um, so Gino went to the uh, last known whereabouts and he kind of mm. sums up in five minutes. It's like, yeah, wood shavings on the door. And this message that said this in the hall, and we're pretty sure she didn't fall over the balcony. It seems like because of the message, she must have like walked downstairs on her own. Right. And that's how long it takes to say that. And Cam is immediately suspicious because he's like, I have a half hour's worth of information that I need to impart. <laughs> and this guy just says two sentences. He's got to be holding out on us. And I was like, or, no, he just doesn't no. like the sound of his own voice as much as you do, Cam. Yeah, Cam, you might want to think about this. You might be the prime suspect <laughs> in somebody who's annoying to talk to. <laughs> right. I solved the crime. Uh, Adriana tries to approach this team and they're not having it. And I feel bad for Adriana. Uh, for everything that happens to her during this episode. The teams break out into Team Cam, the one we're talking about, Team Melina, Dante, and Team We Don't Want Adriana, but she's stuck around here for a long time, so she's in our group. Ariana uh, tries to talk to the bro squad. They don't want anything to do with her. Mm -hmm. She tries to talk to another table. They don't want anything to do with her. Um, Dante is sitting at a table with Ronnie, the bounty hunter, and uh, Melina, who went to the crime scene, and Lindsay, the engineer. I don't remember where she went, but they ha they have everyone... They have someone who went to every location at this table. Right. And Dante immediately tells them about the musket round, even yeah. though that was a morgue packed not to share that info. <laughs> morgue packed, by the way. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to wish a secret wish that that's the first time anyone's ever made a morgue pact. Whew. This well, is the only time where it's acceptable. He immediately violates the morgue pact. According and to he Sasha. Says, Dante can't hold water like a bladder. <laughs> I wrote that. I wrote that and I was like, 
First of what all, her name's I, her name's da- it's Dana that says. Oh, that. it's Dana. Excuse me. But God I was damn like, it. that is not an expression even in That's the South. Not, Can't hold water like a bladder. Bladders hold water extremely they well. It's their main <laughs> job. <laughs> It's all holding they do. It. It's all they do. So, yeah, he immediately breaks the morgue pact, and he says this is all part of his plot to gain trust and get more valuable info, but it's like, this is not a plot. You have given yeah. up info in hopes of getting it back. Like, you have given the 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 thing, like, the, the only real clue you, yeah. from going to you, your location. You traded it for nothing, and, and right. everybody calls him out on it later. But here's where Dante floats floats his uh, his real theory about what happened to Sherry. Yes. yes. And, and I don't think there's anything that leads up to it. You just, it's just a shot cut to Dante. <laughs> and he says, she drowned. That's what it was. And, and everybody, including, I think the camera somehow goes, what? <laughs> and we cut away from that. And I, I'm just, I'm bewildered. Yes. Yeah, so he's he's mentioned... an insurance investigator. He's not a flight yeah. attendant. Like he's supposed to be able All to put right. these things together. What are no, you, the say... murderer? <laughs> I'm just saying, Melina has no experience with putting clues together. Dante supposedly does. Sure. Yes, you're absolutely right. And the, so he thinks, and it, he doesn't ever really clear this up. They, they do the parlor scene explanations later on, but still not really. So he thinks that she was knocked unconscious. Then the glass broke out of the aquarium. And poured, she drowned. And she drowned yeah. with it pouring on her face, which yeah. is a thing that has never happened. Never happened. Um, Dana, less than 19 minutes in, utters the reality show mantra, I'm not here to make friends. I know Lord. we're all here to win. Yeah. It's not an official reality show until that happens. Until somebody says it. So now, of course, Adriana gets up and leaves this table because, like, Sasha doesn't want her there and they're shooing her away like it's high school. So, of course, the killer needs to tweet now and mock her and maybe hint that the players are maybe onto something by not trusting her. And I'm like, I don't think they don't trust her. I think they don't like her. Yeah, (laughs) it's really a I don't care for you kind of a thing. And she's not helping she's definitely alienated everybody in the last known whereabouts room by being like (laughs) it was the corner of the steamer trunk you know clue candlestick (laughs) knife gun corner of a steamer trunk steamer trunk yep um back at the already corner of a steamer trunk yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's not it's not that one this time this time um (laughs) so back at the bro table ulysses and cam now are both suspicious of gino because he didn't talk long enough so they go sit at other tables and Abandon Gino before he can abandon them. Ulysses <laughs> yeah. goes to sit at the Smart. table where Dante has already revealed that Sherry was shot. And, and they're like, well, Dante told us this, there was this bullet. And Ulysses has to think fast, so he just straight up lies. He tells them he saw strangulation marks, but no That's gunshot right. or stab mm-hmm. wounds. And Melina goes, there's a conflict. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Melina. There is a conflict. And yes, it is truly... None, nobody, nobody, they, they somehow have managed to get a group of people who don't understand how to lie <laughs> right. in one place at one time and all of them desperately trying to lie. So we move into the next part of this, which is, it's too early. It's also too early for these sort of stratagems. Like you don't have enough of, you've yeah. been playing this game for an hour. The best thing you can do now is be upfront and try to figure out like 
everybody's pieces of information. The field is big sure. enough that the odds that you'll be the loser are low. Right. So it's not the time to be like alienating people and throwing out weird lies. Cause like you can't come back from that later in the game. If you need someone to trust you, no. I've watched enough reality show to know that the first episode, <laughs> you need to be kind of a fly on the wall. Everybody should be. And I think that this, this series would benefit from, you know, encouraging people to work together, but putting in something that makes it so keeping information to yourself, but still sharing is like the, the line you have to walk instead. It's just our team will get all the information and then we'll win. Right. I mean, either you have to have a team of three people that are sworn to each other Mm -hmm. and they don't ever give any information to anyone else. Or you have to hope that like, you get enough pieces put together that though you're going to miss a few things, you won't have the lowest score. Right. And in order to do that, people have to like you and want to share information with you. So yep. next up, the killer uh, sends everybody a riddle through uh, Giles, the butler. There are keys. Everybody takes one. Uh, everybody poorly investigates. There's a shot of Dante looking under couch cushions for some place that this key could be used. Oh, no, we missed something, though. I'm sorry. Okay. There a lot happens in this game, but this is this is something that <laughs> sure. was crucial for me. So Dana decides to also break the morgue pact by taking Sasha aside. Okay. And she's like Sasha seems quote crafty and sassy. And so she <laughs> wants to form an alliance by telling her about the musket ball and she's like yeah, we found this bullet in the base of uh, Sherry's neck and Sasha says that can't be true. We didn't hear a gunshot. We heard glass this shattering. Is the the single most detective-y moment in yes, the entire show. Yes, it's a good point. That was a good point that I hadn't thought of up to then. So Sasha is like, I don't know if this means something about <clears throat> the murder or if it means Dana is lying to me. But it can't have been, that shot can't have been fired from a gun. Which is going to prove to be an important piece of info. Very much so. And it's between moments like that and the fact that everybody has to pretend that people are getting really murdered that makes Whodunit shine as a show. <laughs> it's the $750,000 budget. <laughs> really? That's when you see that where that money went. To convincing people to pretend people were murdered. Um, yes. So uh, next, there's the opportunity to get additional information. This happens in every episode. The killer gives everybody a key on the keys written um, some numbers and two crowns. Everybody very poorly investigates. Uh, well, as I the riddle, of course, is also written as a rhyme, which that's not mandatory. Stop doing that. Stop making riddles rhyme. They don't have to do that. Nope. To unlock any mystery, you need a key, so please accept this gift from me. It's like, all right, buddy. Go run, go twist, unlock the lies. To uncover the truth takes several tries. No, you don't. It's so, it's never going to hey. sound clever. It only sounds bad. Also, that doesn't make any sense. What takes several tries? Nothing, nothing. Right, they just cool. needed something to run with lies. Spoiler, so, it's, bo- it's a Bible clue. The so they, two crowns right. are for the two kings. The front of it's the Bible verses. They go and look. But while they're shoving, they're trying to shove bits of metal into every hole in this house. It definitely, you get a real close-up look at the fact that this place was entirely furnished from the cost plus world market. Like, everything looks like it's supposed to be old, but it's actually very cheap. It's Um, it's Pier 1 imports at best. 
Cam thinks, because the front of the key says 13 colon 17, and Cam thinks this must be something to do with military time. Sure. So he's running around like an insane person, touching every clock in the house and like <laughs> turning the hands and trying to turn them over and open them up. Um, and, but most of the crew runs to an open Bible right? and they, it's open to the book of Ezekiel. They look up chapter 13, verse 17. It and says something donkey not, dicks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, it says something about well, it says something about mortals, and so oh, that's and the sisters. thing. And they think yeah, so they're yeah. Um, that's good enough for engineer Lindsay to start running around trying to look at all the paintings and find some. Lord, it doesn't take mortals. anybody <laughs> any reason to run around and do nonsense. As I mentioned, they all get keys, and the first thing Dante does is rip off the cushions from the, the couch and be like, "Where does this go? Where's that secret couch safe?" Um, (laughs) yeah so ron the bounty hunter uh is the one who's like turns the key over and sees the two crowns and says is there a book called kings and then sasha rattles off the books of the old testament in order like she's on the great american bible b hosted by kirk cameron she lives in dry gulch (laughs) (laughs) and they flip to second kings 13 17 and lo and behold the book spake unto them (laughs) <laughs> Open the window eastward, and he said, shoot, and he shot, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, by now, everyone in the house is on the trail of this thing and sort of following each other around in a herd, except for a few stragglers. Um, so, they go to this window, which, there must be 50 billion windows in this house, but they go to the window that's on the east side of the room of the murder scene, and there's a missing pane of glass from one of the windows, and on the window frame is scratched in a three-digit number. Mm-hmm. Looking out the window, old uh, frozen food bounty hunter goatee Magoo Ron. sees Ron. I, I like I, I I said his full name. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> sees a a uh, storage container with a lock on it and immediately yells, "Hey, let's go over there!" And immediately regrets yelling, "Hey, let's go over there!" Because <laughs> yes. it's a competition. But they all go over there, unlock it, and there's a slingshot and a crowbar in the trunk, and they immediately agree. For real this time, not to mention the slingshot. Yeah, there are enough people there, but not everybody there. Right. Um, and But also Ulysses shares this info with Cam, so their partnership is going strong. Right. But this also uh, reminds me of the escape room that we did back in the BC before Corona times. That was fun. Mm. Yes. Everyone used to just go I to places remember. with people. I do. And this is the other reason this appeals to me is because it feels like a fun, like, this would be a fun thing to do. That's where escape yeah. rooms came from is like, I like murder mysteries, but I'd rather not have a bunch of weirdos in my house. And right. also I'd and like also, it to be done in an hour. Let's also skip the crying and screaming and just acknowledge yeah. that we're all playing a game and we know that people are dead. Sure. Adriana can't get any information from people <laughs> by asking them. So she's nope. resorted to pouting Option and eavesdropping. <laughs> yeah. Pout dropping. <laughs> pout dropping. Yep. She's the master. So ease she's pouting? pout dropping. <laughs> ease pouting. That's even yeah, better. Yeah, I like that. She's ease pouting on the balcony um, and trying to overhear other people giving each other information, but actually doesn't seem to be going super well. Not so much. So now we're back outside with Giles, and he tells us that every contestant will now face the killer in the library and say what they think happened, and this will be a test of how they interpreted the evidence. And what that ends up being is this is the test. This is to see you have to explain the crime as though you're talking to the killer. But it is you alone, each contestant alone in the room with multiple cameras. And they're just talking to the cameras. 
as though the cameras are the killer. And I hate this so much. I hated it and of course, so much. I they all have to this. dress the fuck up for this like it's a rose ceremony on The Bachelor. Sure. So they're all like in evening wear. The, the outfit that Dante is wearing, when I looked up Dante uh, Mosby <laughs> in real life, <laughs> that is the same suit he's wearing on his LinkedIn profile. Yeah, he is. It so is. Chris, Chris with No H tells us, I'm scared. If I mess up this case statement, I could be the next one to die. And Don tells us, Detective Don, that he knows what happened at the crime scene, but nothing else. He really hasn't, somehow has missed out every other piece of information that's been shared. Too busy trying to tell people he's not a cop. (laughs) Sasha is scared because she says she's either right on or way off. And it's at this point in the show, before even they go to do the confessions, that I think I know who the killer is. Because I have seen so much bad acting in my life. That I have, I think at this point, sniffed it out. Did you confirm this or no? Yes, I confirmed it and oh, okay. I was correct. Yeah, good job. Yeah, thanks. Um, you could it, have been somebody who had to stay on the show for 10 more episodes before that did you any good. <laughs> right. Um, so now we approach the inmost cave, which is <laughs> conveniently located in the house's library. Sure. Um, library. So as Andy said, there's their cameras. They give their theoretical version of events by saying, you did this and you did that alone in a room. Everyone's got wildly different theories. Even they can't even agree on what killed her. Some people say electrocution, blunt force trauma, the slingshot, a gunshot, drowning. And for good measure, she drowned Dante. (laughs) Yes. And then they have to start guessing people. Not that it matters because if even if you guess right, it doesn't change anything. It's but, just one part of like the facts that you can get right about this, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and also they don't tell. They don't say like at dinner, Adriana four people guessed you to sort of sow no. seeds of discord and in the group. Like they don't nothing, say it. Nothing about this case points to anybody specific. It's not like anything is like, uh oh, the person who killed this left behind this uh, high school football playlist. Right. I bet right. it's not Don because he's definitely not a football coach. And Gino um, and Cam guess each other. That's one of my favorite yeah. parts of this bit is they each and guess each other. Adriana says the killer is Dante. She's so <laughs> yes, like it is so smug. I'm like, oh boy. So of course the killer starts tweeting because yep. this is murder. She tweeted after all. Murder. She and- quote. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, if only Twitter's uh, privacy policies weren't so strict, we could have saved a lot of lives here. <laughs> right. So now they all sit down to get together uh, for dinner, which I'm calling the Supreme Ordeal, mm-hmm. even though there really is no Supreme Ordeal on this show because no one's actually at risk of anything and no one's really going to learn anything. Nope. Um, I don't so... want to hug anybody. There's spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> So everyone is nervous about being wrong and getting eliminated, and now all the info starts coming out because who cares? Now they can all freely share what happened because, you know, they've already made their guesses. So Detective Don and Lindsay know that there was a slingshot now. They didn't know that previously, so their theories were totally wrong about the murder weapon. Giles walks in, all seriousness, and he has um, a stack of envelopes in his Mm. gloved hand. So he's gotten these envelopes from the killer, sure, uh, and he they do a recreation of the crime, and then the the killer who signs the letter yours cruelly, <laughs> your killer, which my suspicion immediately goes to the crypt keeper. Angela Lansbury would never. 
<laughs> not even. Uh, and then he's going to hand out these envelopes to the various people. They're going to open the envelopes and it will say either spared, meaning they got enough uh, information correct that they are not up for being murdered <laughs> later. Right. Or scared, which you means be scared. they didn't do very well. Right. And they might die. Uh, and In case you care, this is what actually happened to Sherry, the ex-Rams cheerleader. Oh, yeah, the, sure. <laughs> the, <laughs> All right. the killer broke into her room with the crowbar and wrote on her fogged up mirror with their finger. And they show this and they were roughly three feet apart, three feet apart. But she didn't see the killer. Sure. Real quick, um, Chelsea, uh, what about that steamer trunk corner? None about it. Oh, Didn't, doesn't doesn't, oh. Fig, doesn't figure in at all. It was too. It was so obvious that it was a murder weapon. <laughs> right. That red herring. So Sherry sees the message, slips on a bathrobe, and goes downstairs. The killer had cut the cord of the lamp beside the fish tank, but left it plugged in, as an intentional red herring. For whatever reason, as soon sure. as Sherry got to the fish tank, the killer nailed her with the slingshot through the glass-free window, hitting her in the spine, killing her instantly. Sherry fell forward, hit her head on the fish tank, and then fell backward onto the rug where she bled out. As the fish tank began to, like, spider crack, the killer had time to stash the crowbar and slingshot in the trunk outside and then sneak back into the house before the tank finally shattered and everyone heard the noise. The water found the electrical cord and electrocuted the already dead Sherry. So, had this been an actual murder, it would have been very cleverly pulled off. Although I think it must be hard to estimate the amount of time it would take the fish tank to fully crack. Or count on that being a thing at all. Yeah, but it's kind of like lighting a bomb with a long fuse and then walking away and figuring like you have enough time to like get everything right. done that you need to get done. So that was the way the murder, the you know fake murder played out. Also worth noting, Melina uh, gets a scared card and she says that she's scared and she starts crying. <laughs> About the fake murder yep. possibility. Yep. Just um, saying. Everybody goes to bed. Uh, also, the other people who are scared are Detective Don mm. and Dante. So, who we know. do you think, no, <laughs> listeners at home, who do you think was the worst at this? Don or Dante? <laughs> Dante, who said she drowned. So, the reward and con- that's the reward and consequences, the spared and scared cards. So now, Instead of returning to the ordinary world, which would normally happen now, we kind of have to just like, there's a, there's a fake out that we're going to return to the ordinary world sure. where Giles says, you, it's time for bed. We provided you a state pajamas and fuzzy socks. And in the morning, a pajama brunch will be held, which sounds very normal and non-murdery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dante says, all I'm thinking is, Don, please die. Please die so that I can live. <laughs> so it's <laughs> <laughs> These two men should have been the best at this game. No. No, no. he is a detective and Dante is an insurance exactly investigator. You don't understand. You know what you do. You're just missing the one staple of uh, our life in these times. You can be anything you want and still be a complete <laughs> fucking moron. In fact... <laughs> You can be an idiot and did it and be oh, why uh, just hypothetically speaking, you can be the president of the United States and be a complete fucking moron. If you were on reality TV. If you're on reality TV, I see no connection here. This is all hypothetical. So we cut to 4 38 a.m. An alarm goes off 
everybody who's wearing fancy pajamas assembles Conveniently, by the pool. people are sleeping on top of their covers and camera people are already in the rooms. <laughs> it is fantastic. <laughs> also, I don't off. care what the fuck show this is. If you wake me up at 4.38 in the morning, you can fucking die. Everyone runs outside. Murdered. Their hair and makeup is done. They're yeah. not... They were woken up at 3.38 and given an hour. They, you know? just, they just said, all right, everybody, go to bed. Okay, let's all set the clocks for 4.38 and we'll just do the scene now. Change anything. <laughs> right. So everybody's waiting and, and they're like, oh, there are people missing. Where's Don? Where's Don? And Don arrives. And then my favorite thing, there's like, where's Dante? Where's Dante? And then Melina says, what's that? It sounds like a faint yelling. <laughs> We hear a faint yelling coming from inside the house. And Melina then, calls it out as faint yelling. And then it's just, Dante comes flying down the stairs, fully on fire. A hundred percent of his body is on fire. He, he jumps he falls into the down pool. And then gets up and like dives into the pool and is dead. It's too late. He's dead. And according to the internet, these these. Other contestants did not know that this was going to happen. This is the first, this is the first take, and I don't care who you are. Like I'm sure they fake lots of moments, but I don't yeah. care who you are. If you see a person, even if you don't realize it's Dante coming down the stairs of that you just walked down, fully on fire, yep. you're gonna freak out. Yeah, that's a way to end a fucking pilot. I gotta hand it to it's him. It's not bad. Like it's if not you bad. set if you fully set a person on fire in front of everybody else, <laughs> I, you know you deserve you to get that episode too. Chelsea wants to see more people on fire, Hollywood. <laughs> FYI, uh, stunt people were used for most of the deaths, especially and including this one. This one. Um, so that is that is the end of the episode. This is when the end credits tell us that the episode was written by uh, Anthony Zwicker as well as Elizabeth Devine. So that means we need an emergency. <gasps> you, YWW, you, you wrote Who Done It? Do it. Uh, Elizabeth Devine. Uh, wrote a couple other episodes of Who Done It, and that's pretty much it, including my favorite episode of Who Done It called Mountain Lion. <gasps> yes, L Y I N apostrophe, an episode where Don is murdered when a dumbwaiter in the kitchen opens, revealing a mountain lion, which is a red herring because Don's preparing eggs at the stove, which has been rigged to shoot cyanide in his fucking face. <laughs> That's right. Elizabeth Devine, you wrote Who Done It? Episode Mountain Lion. <laughs> I read a lot about this show. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch any of the episodes, but I read about yeah. that episode and that Mountain Lion was like a five thousand dollars a day or something to rent. Like the live mountain lion That's was. Such so a small expensive. part of the budget. <laughs> so expensive like them lying got paid so much more than everybody else who worked on this show. <laughs> like all the contestants. So Spoiler alert for a show that's been out for seven years. Yeah. Chris, with no age, the ex-pageant queen, is uh, the killer. Dana right. called it out in the pilot, and nothing changed. Nope. Um, Cam is the one who makes it to the end and, and is the eventual winner of the Cam entire wins. thing. He yep. was correct when he said he was positive <clears throat> he would win. Um, but let's take it back to the night this aired in 2013. The night this pilot aired, June 23rd, 2013. Twitter went after my birthday. ballistic. Did they really? With people thinking you could actually murder humans on national reality television. Oh my god! For the record, you can't do that. 
Uh, a reality competition on ABC, a broadcast network owned by Disney, is not actually going to start murdering its contestants. However, people went berserk, and um, Anthony Zoiker uh, said... Uh, at the time in an interview, I really don't know how to wrap my head around somebody thinking that we would commit crimes on a network and kill people. I don't know how to process that. But because of the, 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 the fervor, because of everyone, the fracas is what I wanted to say. Sure. The interviews with eliminated contestants were added to the end of each episode to ensure viewers that cast members weren't really dead. So they'd <laughs> still be in the makeup used to make them look like a corpse and be sitting there talking about leaving the competition, how they felt, um, etc. And those interviews were added because they wanted to reassure people that no one had died. Um, Zoiker was very against this. He says, I was very against that from the beginning, but I really had no choice. Apparently America was quite confused early and we lost... 1.3 million viewers after the pilot. So we started, we added those interviews to try to get them back. Oh, um, so yeah. This uh, show, <laughs> from its budget to its toll on American intelligence, <laughs> this show cost too much. Also, Zoiker was very frustrated with people like you thinking that they had coached the actor, the coach, the contestants to act. He says, all the tears are real. They really are scared to death. But Not then, that they're scared to lose their own lives and be killed. They're scared to get kicked off the show. And that fear of getting kicked off the show is fear of them dying. Their reactions are, uh, and he also attributed it to how emotionally taxing and very, very stressful it is to play the game while sequestered away from loved ones and real life. Sure. And he said the only scripted part of the show was the butler's dialogue. Wow, I really took a left turn from liking this show to <laughs> not liking this show very quickly in this last moment. Uh, Chelsea, what... I, okay, we usually ask each other, what did you learn here? I'm going to change it up a little bit and dare you to tell me something that we learned from this episode. Um, I learned a lot about that you. house. Learned a lot about that That's house. That's fair. Currently I on the market. Gildart Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And married to Melona Hart. And fucking good, good for you. I'm, I hope that I hope that y'all are living off this whodunit residual money. Right. Um, um, Zoiker says they brought everything over from CSI to whodunit. Um, in terms of reusing some crimes, um, some evidence, they the key personnel like CSI's composer, makeup effects artist, two writers from CSI, sure. um, and the uh, they wanted to make sure that the everyday contestants were able to swap information and begin to construct theories. So they kept the evidence kind of CSI light. The April fifteenth bombing of the Boston Marathon happened on the exact day that whodunit filmed Ariana's death by golf cart explosion. Oh, I remember that. An I remember both of those events. Kaboom. And the contestants were sequestered and cut off from the outside world, including friends and family, as oh, is typical no. for reality TV shows. And Zoeker says we had to tell them what happened. They pulled them aside. They told them that the Boston Marathon bombing had happened, and then they allowed them to touch base with home and then reconfiscated their cell phones. Right. You like Anthony Zoiker, are very upset that there was never a season two. Um, <laughs> he, he said to BuzzFeed... Sure, it's varying degrees, though. <laughs> right. If you can get past the gut reactions, oh, it's acting, oh, it's fakey, oh, it's hokey, oh, it's silly. If you can get past all those things that people jumped on early and see it for what it is and realize that Anthony Zoiker, who's done the biggest shows in the world, would never do anything hokey and silly. If they could just see that, I think they'd enjoy it like we're enjoying it spoken like a man who truly believes he's not allowed to make a bomb like couldn't again, possibly again 
uh, it just you can have a job and still be really stupid. <laughs> right. It doesn't it doesn't exempt you. You could they could pay you a lot of money and right. you could still not be good it's at still what make you're a doing. turd. Yeah, dude. Yep. Sometimes it happens. So Cam Perez, as we said, won in the end. And though he was an attorney at the time, it looks like he pretty immediately became an actor in 2013 and is sure. still acting. There we go. That's more important. We got enough lawyers. Yeah, right. And he could solve all sorts of Hollywood mysteries if they come up. Did you want to hug anybody? I kind of wanted to hug Adriana. Yeah. Ariana. Well, now I'm confused. She made it hard to like her. In the beginning, I wanted to be on her side because she was bossy, and I like bossy people. Sure. And she's a crime reporter, which seems like a cool job, but she really was kind of annoying. I liked... I wanted to hug Melina. Melina. Because of the way she is in this episode, and again, because she breaks down into tears so often about people who are murdered. God bless you, Anthony's waker. They're just pretending real murders happened and getting emotional about it. I don't, I don't buy this. Well, they're worried yeah. about getting kicked off the show. Nah. No. 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 They're just taking it a little too seriously. Be sure if you watch this on ABC.com, you're watching the reality show from 2013 and ni- not the 1970s British game show the who done it. show. <laughs> we, we just, when I started watching before, I realized that Andy was not no. referring me that, to that. The one you mentioned sounds kind of classy. This yeah, is a straight hot mess. <laughs> this is... Uh, this isn't a lot. This is just yeah. a lot. It's a lot of money thrown at a bad idea. They were too busy thinking about who done it, and they weren't thinking about should anyone have done it? Should should we do it? <laughs> should we done it? Yeah. Well, thank you all for participating in this ridiculous choice uh, of mine. I take full credit for bringing us here to. The I had fun who, with this one. The Who Done It verse. <laughs> I'll watch the first episode of any reality show, pretty much. Well, I might take you up on that. Um, <laughs> tune in next time for Ultimate Lad, <laughs> season one, episode yes! one. Should do a Tool Academy at some point. We it's, should totally. We absolutely. used to watch Tool Academy when we were roommates. It was like mm-hmm. a, a real bonding experience. For real. And, you know, just watching turdly human beings getting their comeuppance. It's oh all God. I want out of life. So thank you all very much for joining us. We hope you're all doing well out there and staying safe. And uh, we will see you next time. Bring snacks. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!